time in history, and the Most High Yahuwah chose for us to be here and now, a time when knowledge has increased and many go to and fro. We find ourselves in the time of the end according to the book of Daniel, and as we have seen, comes with both blessings and spiritual trials like no other. The book of Revelation, the field manual to the end times, tells us what to expect and how to prepare, but was obscured from the generations with parables and hidden understandings just waiting for these last days to be unsealed. While we may also not get everything right, we will be leaning on the spirit of truth of the Most High, Yahuwah Sebaoth, in the name of Yahusha HaMashiach, to reveal to us the proper understanding. For who knows if you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And Shabbat Shalom and welcome back brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream Revelation live line by line decoded series. My name is Adam your host and I welcome you. Tonight is part 23 of our series and we'll be reading and studying out Revelation chapter 16 which deals with the righteous judgment of Yahweh or the bowls of revelation, uh, if you will. So lots to go over tonight. I say that every time, but it's true. We have a lot to go over. And so I'm really excited to dig in with you. Uh, so let's get started with a quick prayer and uh, we'll get right into it. So Heavenly Father, Most High, we just come before you uh, as just uh, your children that love you. And we thank you so much for opening our eyes to your truth in these last days. We thank you so much for sending your son, Messiah Yahusha, that we may have forgiveness of sins and be reconciled back to you. Abba, we pray that you bless this study, that you open our eyes and ears to the wondrous matters out of your your whole word, and um, we just bless you and thank you. And if uh, anybody happened to be stumbling upon this tonight that's new, pray that you open their eyes to your truth, that they may understand, hearken, and keep your ways. We love you, we bless you, and we sing to you hallelujah. Amen. And all the people said, I mean, so Shabbat Shalom. Have I said that? This is the best day of the week. This is our weekly appointment with the Most High. And for most of us, we grew up in a faith that said that the Sabbath was done away with or that Messiah is our Sabbath and we just rest in Him every day. But thank the Most High that He's opened our eyes to realize that the Sabbath is a delight and the Sabbath is our weekly appointment with him and what he says is a sign between him and us that uh, he knows that we are his so praise be the most high and uh, again shabbat shalom to you so let's get into it and uh we got an awesome study at hand all right so we will be reading out of the suffer version um it is my preferred scriptures um this this bad boy right here. And um, we will be cross-referencing, though, with uh, the Septuagint, the, the KJV, um, 
the ESV and some other resources, as I've said many times, just in case you're new, uh, I think a, I think a good Berean uh, studies multiple uh, translations and doesn't stick to just one, because even though this is my favorite, I don't believe it's perfect, um, but uh, nonetheless, um, that's what we'll be reading from tonight, so... All right, with that, let's get started, and we'll, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read Revelation 16, at least uh, to the part we're going to get to tonight. We'll fin- I think we're going to finish at verse 16, because uh, next week is Revelation 17, and it has to do with the judgment of Mystery Babylon, and uh, a lot of you know that's a topic that we spent quite a bit of time on this channel uh, researching, studying, uh, teaching, and uh, it's, it's a topic that... Um, can't say that I'm fond of because it's it's a, it's a you know Mr. Babylon's not a good thing, but it's something that uh, I believe the Most High has put in my heart to study out uh, uh, very in depth. But anyways, what I'm getting at is the last few verses of chapter 16 kind of go into 17, so we'll just finish those uh, next week. So let's read it. Uh, Revelation 16. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, "Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of Yahuwah upon the earth." And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel say of angel of the waters say, "You are righteous, O Yahuwah, which are and was and shall be, because you have judged thus." And that's what tonight is really going to be about: is the righteous judgment uh, of the Most High. So, verse six: For they have shed the blood of the Kodeshim, which is the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another. Out of the altar say, Even so, Yahuwah Elohim Tsevaot, true and righteous are your judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. That's an interesting verse that we're gonna dig deep into tonight. Because at face value you're like, okay, the sun is now like a like a weapon. Maybe. But there may be more to that. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of Yahweh, which has power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the na- blasphemed Yahuwah of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds." And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Parath, Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean ruachot, spirits, like frogs, come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are ruachot, spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world, to gather them to the battle of the great day of Yahuwah Sevaot. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and guards his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Ivrit tongue, Har Megiddo, or Har Moed. Okay, and that's where we'll stop, because the rest is pretty much about uh, Mystery Babylon. So we're going to dig in through verses 1 through 16. And so we'll just read verses 1 through 2, dig in, and we'll keep going. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of Yahuwah upon the earth. 
And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. And you'll see as we go through this um, that there's a lot of uh, similarities to the book of Exodus and the whole account with Pharaoh and the plagues of Egypt. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna put this out there very plainly. And those of you that have been uh, been with me for a while, um, you know that I fully believe that the first Exodus is a complete pattern for the end times, uh, including the um, the slavery of the children of Egypt, uh, the children of Israel in Egypt. And uh, I've said this many times before, and I'll be brief about this because we have so much to go over. I can't really rabbit trail too far onto this, but. Um, you know, especially if you look into the book of Jasher, you'll see that the uh, the Egyptians they were fr- they were afraid of the Israelites, and what they did was over time they slowly enslaved them and slowly and slowly enslaved them. It wasn't just overnight, like hey, you're all our you know you guys are, are you know our slaves and you do what you know do what we tell you to because that's what it sounds like. It seems like when you finish the book of Genesis and like everybody's happy and Joseph's ruling, you know, then of course he pa- he passes and then it's like you get into Exodus and all of a sudden they're slaves. They're like, how did that happen? And um, you know, because I mean these are the same. These are the children of the patriarchs that, you know, two of them destroyed, you know, an entire city of thousands of people. You know, how did this, you know, how did this this country enslave them? So anyways, through a lot of craftiness and subtlety, uh, you know, over time, they enslaved them. And that's truly what they've done to this country and this whole world is, you know, the group of the so-called elites that are running the world behind the, the scenes, the hidden hand, if you will. They have slowly over the generations have just completely taken uh, hold of this earth, of course, through the guidance of their their boss, uh, which is the dragon, which gave power into the beast, of course. But uh, anyways, so we're exactly where the Israelites were, I believe, you know, um, when they were in Egypt and we're in spiritual Egypt, if you will. And they're not whipping us with chains uh, or with, they're not whipping us with whips uh, to go to work, but they don't have to do that anymore. They got a lot smarter with their tactics and uh, they enslave us with debt. I think probably 95% of the people that are listening to this right now are probably in some form of debt uh, because, well, even though maybe some of us haven't, you know, accumulated any recent debt, maybe it's debt that's plagued us for, you know, 10 years, five years, whatever it may be. Um, they enslave us through that, through their education systems, through their medical systems, through their pharmacy, their, their pharmacia. Um, the list goes on. We can talk about this for two hours tonight, but a lot of if you're probably listening to this broadcast, you probably have an idea of what's going on in the world and the type of slavery um, that's a little bit different than it was thousands of years ago. But the end result is still the end result. We're indebted to or a slave to um um, to at least the people on earth right now in the spiritual we're we're children of the most high and our you know our being belongs to the most high and if we're found worthy we'll be recorded amongst the living in new jerusalem but for the time being we're just like the children of israel were back in those days um so anyways uh so we're going to see a lot of parallels with the book of exodus tonight uh with these bowls slash plagues. So let's talk about the the first one here that's mentioned in Revelation 16, which is uh, the grievous sore. This is like the boil. Uh, So let's read about that a little bit. Exodus 9, 8 through 12 says, And Yahweh said unto Moshe and unto Aharon, Take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace and let Moshe sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. 
And it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and it shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon man. This is the sore. This is the grievous sore. This is the same thing that Job had. And upon beasts throughout all the land of Egypt. And they took ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh. And Moshe sprinkled it up toward heaven. And it became a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moshe because of the boils. For the boil was upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. And Yahuwah hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And he hardened Hearkened not unto them as Yahweh had spoken unto Moshe. And then Pharaoh is really a, a foreshadow of the unrepentant people. We read, we already read that um, they, um, where was it? Right here. Uh, which have power of these places, they repented not to give him glory. It's just a foreshadow of, of, of Pharaoh. These people are going to be seeing these things come upon the earth. And, you know, they're going to, and that's really the big reason for Hollywood. Hollywood isn't just for our entertainment or even just for, for making money. Um, it's, I mean, it's a brilliant scheme. They're making money uh, and they're conditioning the people for what, how they want people to perceive the end times. Really, it's just Satan doing his job, which is to keep people away from the Most High and from from his ways. And so if the people were to know the scriptures, when these things would go down, they would know what's going down and they would repent and come back to him. But unfortunately, they what they'll know is Independence Day and uh, District 9 and um, Battle for Los Angeles and you know all these movies that are really, you know, brainwashing people to fit the narrative um, for when things happen in the skies and Yahusha comes down with New Jerusalem. Uh, it's going to be a fearful sight for people, and they're going to be conditioned to think that, that that's the aliens, and the aliens are terrorizing the people, and the people are going to hate Yahusha um, because they're not going to understand what's going on because, well, they've been given over to a great delusion. Deuteronomy twenty-eight fifteen. The, the whole the whole chapter of Deuteronomy twenty-eight is the blessings and the curses. The blessings for keeping the commandments, aka the Torah, and the curses for breaking them or not keeping them. Deuteronomy twenty-eight fifteen says, "But if it shall come to pass, if you will not hearken unto the voice of Yahuwah thy Elohim, to observe to do all His commandments and His statutes which I command you this day, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you." And we're we'll skip, skip a few verses and we'll get right to it. Uh, verse twenty-seven. And Yahweh will smite you with the botch of Egypt. And if you look up the Hebrew word here, it's the same thing as the the boils. Um, this actually it, this means boil. Why they translate it as botch, I'm not sure, but it's the exact same thing. So he will smite you. So if you break his commandments, right? One of the curses for breaking the Torah is to be smitten with the botch of Egypt. It was so um, monumental what happened that this is what it's like. Its nickname was you know the the botch of Egypt, the boil of Egypt, and with the emeralds and with the scab and with the itch, whereof you cannot be healed. And then a little bit further in verse 35, Yahweh shall smite you in the knees and in the legs with a sore botch that cannot be healed from the sole of thy foot into the top of thy head. Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 15, Yahuwah did not set his love upon you. Now, while this is talking about the Israelites back in the day, this absolutely has a connotation for us in these last days. The whole book of Deuteronomy does. Yahuwah did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people. Let me ask you a question. People that believe in the true Messiah, Yahusha, and that keep his Torah, are we numerous amongst the nations, or are we the fewest? 
nor chose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people, because Yahuwah loved you, and because because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath Yahuwah brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen. When we were talking about the slavery already, again, it's a different type of slavery, but I assure you, brothers and sisters, uh, until we're with the Most High, until we're living out Torah fully, we are not free. We're free in, you know, in our spirit and, and where, we're, where we're headed, but as for right now, we're sojourners in a foreign land. From the hand of the king of the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, know therefore that Yahweh, thy Elohim, he is Elohim, the faithful Elohim, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments. This is so easy. That's how you love that's how you love the most high. And repayeth them that hate them to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. So the very opposite of loving him is hating him, which is to not keep his commandments. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command you this day to do them. Wherefore it shall come to pass if you hearken to these judgments or these right rulings, thanks, Brother Tobias, and keep and do them, that Yahweh, thy Elohim, shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he sware unto your fathers, which is an everlasting generation. It's an everlasting covenant, which means even now. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land and thy corn and thy wine and thy oil and the increase of thy kind and the flocks of sheep in the land which he swore unto the fathers to give you. And you shall be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. Now listen closely. This is why I'm bringing this up. And this is this shows you the difference between the people that have the mark. Because again, this is what this, this is all talking about. Um fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. So here it's going to show you this is a further proof of what happens to those that have Yahuwah's mark. And Yahuwah will take away from all you the sick from you all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt which thou knowest upon you but will lay them upon all them that hate you. That's the very opposite of what happens to people that worship the beast and have his image or carry his mark and what we'll find out here very quickly those of you that may be new this is where the mark of the beast comes from but in the opposite context this is the mark of the most high this is deuteronomy 6 4 through 8 this is the shema it's shema yisrael yahuwah eloheinu yahuwah Echad, this hero Israel, Israel, Yahuwah, our Elohim is one. And you shall, this is what Messiah quoted as the greatest commandment. So we could therefore easily deduce that these scriptures have not been done away with. And it says, and you shall love Yahuwah, that Elohim, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. Right. So remember, you know, people like to quote Jeremiah 31 where he says he'll put his law in our heart. That doesn't mean that he'll change our heart. And now we can just follow our heart and just do what our heart desires. Uh, what that means is he's the promise was to give us of the spirit, which is to lead us unto all of his righteous rulings. And these words, which I command you this day, shall be in your heart. This is what it means to have the Torah in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently unto your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down, when you rise up. And you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And I know some of you have probably heard this a hundred times already from me, but this 
is it. This is the mark. This is what we're supposed to be striving for. This is our protection. It's our shield. It's our buckler. This is everything. If you reread Psalm 91, you'll see that the precursor to every all the blessings and all the protection of Psalm 91 is what? It's the keeping of his Torah, which is our shield and our buckler. So it says that his commandments shall be a sign upon our hand and frontlets between your eyes. Not many people know this, but most people know that the mark of the beast is what? In your forehead or in your hand? Is it coincidence that the mark of the Most High is also in your hand and your forehead? And what I'm here to say is I don't believe you can carry two marks. I believe that people are inherently either carrying the mark of the beast right now or carrying the mark of the Most High right now. And to carry the mark of the Most High, it means to keep his commandments and have faith in uh, his Messiah, which truly is the word. His Messiah is the word which is the Torah, it's the prophets, it's the writings, it's all of it. Uh, but let's take a look at the, the uh, Hebrew word for sign, which is the Hebrew word ot. And uh, you'll see here it's been defined as a sign or signal or a distinguishing mark. Let's look at a couple of the uh, ways it was used. Genesis 4.15, a lot of you remember, um, it says here, Therefore, whoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold, and Yahweh set a mark upon Cain. That's the same Hebrew word for sign. Um, anyways, there's a lot more, but you know, just to take a look at it for yourself when you get some time. Uh, but this, quite frankly, this is probably the most important part of the whole teaching right here, because... We can know everything about the book of Revelation. We can know, uh, even though he says no man knows the day of the hour, let's say we even somehow figured it out if he allowed us to. There's no, it's like we can you know, play the guessing game of when he's coming back or, or, or fantasize about all that. Of course, we're supposed to watch and, and, and see his return coming. But if we're not ready, if, we, if we're a foolish virgin, it's going to be really bad. And so that's why the crux of really the, the important part of what we're teaching tonight is, or what we're studying tonight, is uh, his mark. Let's read verses 3 through 4. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. And once again, you're probably already recognizing one of the plagues of Egypt. Let's read it, Exodus 7. And Yahweh said unto Moshe, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Get thee unto Pharaoh in the morning. Lo, he goeth out unto the water, and thou shalt stand by the river's brink against he come. And the rod which was turned to a serpent shalt thou take in thine hand. And thou shalt say unto him, Yahweh Eloheinu of the Hebrews hath sent me unto you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. And behold, hitherto thou wouldst not hear. <clears throat> Thus saith Yahweh, In this thou shalt know that I am Yahweh. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the, the waters which run the river, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the water of the river. And Yahweh spake unto Moshe, saying, Say unto Aharon, Take thy rod, and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, upon their rivers, and upon their ponds, and upon their pools, or all their pools of water, that they may become blood, and that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. And Moshe and Aharon did so, as Yahuwah commanded. And he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of all his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. And the fish that was in the river died. 
and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river, and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, neither did he hearken unto them, as Yahuwah had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house, neither did he set his heart to this also. And all the Egyptians digged round about the river for water to drink, for they could not drink of the water of the river. And seven days were fulfilled after that Yahuwah had smitten the river. Let's take a look at uh, the book of Jasher, chapter 80, verses 3 through 5. And Yahuwah sent by the hand of Aharon and turned all the waters of Egypt into blood with all their streams and rivers. And when an Egyptian came to drink and draw water, he looked in his pitcher, and behold, all the water was turned into blood. And when he came to drink from his cup, the water in his cup became blood. And when a woman kneaded her dough and cooked her victuals, their appearance was turned to that of blood. Rough day. Revelation, and remember, uh, some of these some things happened before this, so check this out. Revelation 6, 1 through 4, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, a noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. Uh, I'm not sure actually why I put that. Oh, that was supposed to be Revelation 7. Okay. I was like, ah, that's not what I wanted. Okay. Revelation 7, 1 through 4, And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living Elohim. And we were talking about the seal or the mark um, of the Most High. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the, the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our Elohim in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed. And they were sealed in 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. So before the sea could be smitten, remember, the 144,000 are sealed. And uh, I do believe that them and the great multitude, so it's going to be quite a bit of people, uh, certainly not 2 billion Christians, but uh, maybe a couple million to maybe 2, 3 million, just a wild guess. Um, still just a drop in the bucket uh, compared to the people that will be, still be here uh, enduring these wrath, this wrath. Revelation 8, 1 through 9, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before Elohim, and to them was given seven trumpets or shofars. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before Elohim out of the angel's hand. Let us not forget this, um, you know, Prayer has got to be our number one weapon right now uh, against, uh, you know, the enemy and his tactics. And we have got to pray for one another. And this is our sacrifices. And even, you know, if we've transgressed, we can uh, pray to the Most High. And uh, our prayers ascend up before him as, you know, as an offering or as an incense before him. So let us not forget, we're actually going to talk about uh, how we can pray for each other at the end of the stream. So make sure you stay till the end with the announcements. And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels, which had the seven shofars, prepared themselves to sound. And the first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. And the second angel sounded, as it were, a great mountain 
burning with fire with uh, I'm sorry burning with fire was cast into the sea and the third part of the sea became blood right so we're talking about the waters turning to blood and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea had life died and the third part of the ships were destroyed so the reason I bring this up is we can deduce since at least it would be reasonable to think that because in this part it said that um um Every living th- uh, soul uh, died in the sea, and that the, all the waters became blood, and all the rivers and everything. It would be it would be more reasonable to think that uh, this part here, where it says the third part of the the sea was turned into blood, and the third part of the creatures that died, it would be more reasonable to think that that would happen first, uh, as opposed to um, all the um, everything dying. And as far as no, we'll, uh, I really should actually leave this for next week because it's. Um, this is really talking about Mystery Babylon, but it says the great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. This is the destruction of Great Babylon. Um, the, let's see. Uh, let's just skip here so we don't take any of the thunder from next week. Um, yeah. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and live deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. Right? It says right here that... Uh, as it were a great mountain, and we know that uh, Yerushalayim is the mountain, was, the, you know, as far as on earth, is the mountain of the Most High, Mount Zion. And um, it says, as it were a great mountain burning with fire. And uh, it's no wonder that here we see Mystery Babylon burning with fire. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is Yahweh Elohenu who judgeth her. And, uh, yeah, we'll save this for next week. Yeah, here. And cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? It's Jerusalem. It's always been Jerusalem. Jerusalem has always been the, uh, the woman that has gone astray from him. We'll talk more about this. Yeah. Uh, just in case you're new and you're like, this guy's crazy. Mystery Babylon is the the Catholic Church, or Mystery Babylon is America, or Mystery Babylon is uh, London, or Mystery Babylon is the Muslim Caliphate. Um, you know, it says right here also, just to show you, um, where is it? Here we go. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her, double according to her works, and the cup with she had filled to her double, filled to her, to her double. And that comes from Ezekiel 23, I believe, uh, which was the prophecy that Jerusalem would not only drink her own cup uh, of wrath, but also drink the cup of Samaria. That's why it's a double cup filled. Isaiah 42-4, uh, through 4, Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of Yahweh's hand, Double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of Yahweh, make straight in the desert a highway for Elohim. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. It's no wonder that it said earlier that uh, he saw, as it were, a mountain burning with fire cast into the sea. And so uh, every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain all alluding to Jerusalem, Jerusalem. All right, verse 5, And I heard the angel of the waters say, You are righteous, O Yahuwah, which are and was and shall be, because you have judged 
thus righteous are his judgments. We just we studied this last week, Revelation 15, 1 through 3, and I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of Elohim. And I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire. We talked about this, how Enoch saw this. And them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of Elohim. And they sing the song of Moshe, the servant of, of, of Elohim, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Yahuwah Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Revelation 19, 1-5, And after this, these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven, saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto Yahuwah our Elohim, for true and righteous are his judgments, for he has judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And they said, Hallelujah. And her smoke rose up for an ever and ever, and the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped Elohim that sat on the throne, saying, Amen and Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our Elohim, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and and great. Uh, you know, I don't know why I put this here, but let's read it anyways. This is one of the best passages in all of Scripture. This right here, you know, the Most High said that uh, David had, was a man after his own heart. And let's take a little peek into what was in David's heart. Psalm 19, 7 through 1. The Torah of Yahuwah is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of Yahuwah is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of Yahuwah are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of Yahuwah is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of Yah is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of Yah are true and righteous altogether. And this is actually, again, right rulings. Again, thanks, Tobias. This is a great study. The right rulings of Yahuwah are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. And this, this, the heart of this right here is way more important than, you know, um, really, quite frankly, anything that we can learn uh, scripturally other than the Messiah was the Messiah prophesied. He was uh, the prophet spoken about in Deuteronomy 18 that was to come. He was the prophet like Moshe. Uh, outside of that, keeping the commandments, brothers and sisters, is everything. This is the treasure chest. Everything that we've learned to come to this point has brought us to this moment right here. Or, you know, just the understanding that we are to keep his commandments, that they are not done away with, that they weren't nailed to the cross, um, they aren't burdensome. Uh, going back to his commandments is not uh, going back to bondage, um, but in fact, the Torah itself is freedom. And if we're going to escape Egypt, if we're going to leave Babylon, this is how we do it, with his commandments. So, yeah, okay. I'm going to stop preaching now. Verse 16, For they have shed the blood of the Kodashim and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. Well, let's see who's worthy. Matthew 23, 29-38, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would have not been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, Ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which kill the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? 
Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all, not some, all the righteous bloodshed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Berechias, whom ye slew between the temple of the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Right? This is what we're talking about. This is Mystery Babylon. You that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto you, how often I would have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. So uh, have the Pharisees and the children of the Pharisees been wiped out? No. Check this out. Who's living in the land today where Jerusalem is? Rabbinic Judaism, also called rabbinism, rabbinicism or Judaism espoused by the Rabbinites, has been the mainstream form of Judaism since the 6th century after the codification of the Babylonian Talmud. What? Growing out of Pharisaic Judaism, rabbinic Judaism is based on the belief that... Okay, we'll just keep going. Anyways, so current modern-day rabbinic Judaism, which, yes, I came out of myself, praise Yah, is, is the standard over there, and there is a major prophecy that that entire area is going to be annihilated. And this is the, that's going to be the true and righteous judgment of Yahuwah. And I also believe that that is going to be the crux that Satan uses to gather the world together against this outside threat, which is going to be New Yerushalayim and Yahusha HaMashiach coming back. It's one of the big reasons why a lot of the um, narratives have happened the way they did. Uh, starting from the First World War, actually starting in the late 1800s with uh, political Zionism and, uh, you know, the, the First World War, uh, the Second World War, all of that, quite frankly, was in order to uh, uh, assemble the League of Nations, which became the United Nations, the formation of the political state of Israel, uh, which, quite frankly, it's, it's from Yah for that to happen. Even Revelation 17, 17 says, which we'll talk about next week, says that, uh, that Yahweh puts in the minds of these sick people uh, to bring about, uh, to fulfill his will and to give their kingdoms unto the beast so that his will may be done. Um, this is, uh, there was a prophecy that in the last days, it's also in Ezekiel, um, I think it's also 23 as well, that he would gather the, 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 the remnant of this evil people that have rejected him, that have stoned his prophets, uh, that rejected his Messiah, um, all of it, that he would gather them in the last days and he would melt them in the midst of Jerusalem. And I believe that's what's going to happen uh, sometime in the near future. Revelation 18, 20 through 24, Rejoice over here, you heaven and you holy apostles and prophets. Right? What do you say? That all, right, all the blood of the prophets. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto you. Right? Rejoice over her, you heaven and you holy apostles and prophets, for Elohim hath avenged you on her. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, 
Thus, with violence, shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And again, this is more credible witness to that mountain, as it were, a great mountain burning with fire cast into the sea. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in you, and no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in you. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in you, and the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in you, and the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in you for thy merchants were the great men of the earth for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived and truly this the the merchants uh, what i believe what i believe this to mean is uh, it, again it's the so-called elite that run the world that have formed this uh, this nation state um, I mean, the very, if you look it up for yourself on Google Maps, look at the uh, the Israeli Knesset. Uh, it's on Rothschild Lane. I mean, these people own that, that, uh, that uh, um, well, at least temporarily own that land. So. so, and in her was found the blood of the prophets and of saints and all that were slain upon the earth. What did Yahushua say? All the blood of the prophets was on the head of Jerusalem. Revelation 14, 8 through 10, and there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen that great city because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. What's the wrath of her fornication? To go astray from the Most High, to serve other Elohim, even under the guise of following God, right? I mean, that's what the Pharisees' problem was. They, they professed to keep Yahuwah's commands with their mouths, but their heart was far from him. They didn't keep his, they didn't keep his commandments. They kept the man-made traditions. That's exactly what mainstream Christianity does. And that's exactly what mainstream Judaism does as well. Judaism. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of Elohim. And again, this is what really this... Uh, it's all about Elohim's wrath. That's what this whole chapter is about. So what are we talking about again? For they have shed the blood of the Kodashim and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. Um, I believe that this is this is the judgment of the great horror. I really do. Which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and she shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And quite frankly, anybody that follows her pernicious ways also is destined for the same torment. By the way, in uh, preparation for next week, because I actually am kind of stealing some of my thunder from uh, for next week. So if you want to brush up a little bit on where I'm at uh, with this, there's a little playlist here called Mark of the Beast slash Mystery Babylon. Um, I would look at three these three short videos. This one's 22 minutes called uh, Unlock the Beast of Revelation, uh, Avoiding the Mark of the Beast. That's 18 minutes. And then this is the most important one before next week. It's 35 minutes. We, I, we might even do movie night next week. I might even play this. Uh, there's so much I packed in here in 35 minutes. It's called Mystery Babylon, the Mother of Harlots and Abominations. Uh, but if you want to do some like some like a head study ahead, you know, here's you can catch up really quickly. If whatever thing I'm saying right now, I'm kind of like I'm gonna, I mean, I'm talking so fast that I'm stumbling over my words. I'm going through the through this so fast. So if you want to get an understanding of where I'm at with this, you can catch up really quickly with these three videos. Okay, <clears throat> verse seven. And I heard uh, another out of the altar say, "Even so, Yahweh Elohim Tzavaot, true and righteous are your judgments." So. Uh, we're talking more. This is really the crux of what we're talking about tonight, uh, that true and righteous are his judgments. 
And uh, let's th- let's get at the heart of Ezra, which, uh, quite frankly, you know, I asked a question a while back ago, Justin and I, it was live stream like a year or two ago, and we asked the question, you know, if once we, if we're found worthy to be in the kingdom of heaven and we have the ability to chat with anyone, anyone in the scriptures, um, you know, who would it be? And I'm torn personally, I'm torn other than Messiah, of course, because everybody would pick Messiah. Uh, I was torn between three. Uh, it was really, it was Adam, David and Ezra. And, um, you know, Adam, I'd want to talk to him just because I, you know, want to know what it was like beforehand, before the, the, the eating of the, the tree, David, because really, I mean, what a, what a, what a man, I mean, King, uh, he was righteous. Uh, he was a musician. Uh, he didn't care what people thought, you know, I mean, he danced in his underwear in front of the people. I mean, this is, that's my kind of dude. Uh, and then of course, uh, Ezra really, if I could align with anybody and their inner thoughts and their heart, um, I think it's Ezra. So it would be a toss up between, uh, David and Ezra. So anyways, so here's Ezra with his broken heart and he's just got a heart for people and uh, just asking the tough questions. So he's asking the tough questions, uh, you know, about the judgment of Yah, because he uh, witnessed all these things happen, and he's, you know, in captivity in Babylon and just doesn't understand. So 2 Ezra chapter 7, if you're new, 2 Ezra is also known as 4th Ezra. Uh, this was included in the 1611 King James uh, uh, Bible. It was in the, included in the 1599 Geneva uh, many other uh, canons of scripture it was labeled the Apocrypha, which just means hidden. Uh, but of course, this was taken out in the mid-1800s with the dispensational movement. So 2 Ezra 7, 17-25, Then I answered and said, O sovereign Adonai, behold, thou hast ordained in thy Torah that the righteous shall inherit these things, but that the ungodly shall perish. The righteous, therefore, can endure difficult circumstances while hoping for easier ones, but those who have done wickedly have suffered the difficult circumstances and will not see easier ones. So here Ezra has a heart even for the ungodly people because he knows that life is hard. You know, um, the struggle is real. Of course, you know, we have we have ups and downs and we have good times and we have bad times and uh, we have happiness and sadness. And as Solomon said, you know, there's a time for this, a time for that, the time to dance, there's a time to cry, there's a time for everything. Uh, and that's kind of the, you know, the bittersweetness of life in general, but in, you know, also in general life is, it's hard, it's a struggle. Um, and so he even has a heart for the wicked. He's like, you know, the righteous struggle, but they have something to look forward to, but he's like the wicked, they struggle and they have nothing to look forward to. Like, he's like, this is not fair. And what does the angel reply? This is Uriel. He says, and he said to me, you are not a better judge than Elohim or wiser than the most high. Let, this is why I say that the judgment of Yahuwah is righteous let many perish who are now living rather than the torah of elohim which is set before them be disregarded so we have to know that yahweh sees everything and nothing happens without his righteous rulings for example a perfect example is um, when when david did the census and uh, he transgressed uh, elohim gave him three options uh, you know, of punishment, and, and David chose the plague, and the plague killed, I think it was at 70,000 people, and David's like, he's like, he's like, you know, I'm the one that did wrong. He's like, punish me, not not your innocent lambs. And Yahweh ended up explaining to him that uh, those people that died were the ones that incited him 
to do these things and that uh, the judgment upon them was I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing that the, ju- the, the judgment on them was uh, just and uh, and so David understood so there's a, he has a he, you know he has a, a reason for everything so even if it may seem harsh you know like we've uh, covered in the Torah portions when uh, or, or just in general when Yahweh said go into you know this this Canaanite village and kill every man woman and child cattle everything that moves everything that breathes kill it and you know this is the stuff that atheists are like this is who you serve okay like what's up with that you know um you know there's there's reasons for it you know and and whether it was um you know just because of their blood was tainted with mixed with giant dna and there's you know there's many different things we can talk about but i'm just saying there's always a reason and that no matter whatever he has declared as righteous let's keep in mind for those of you that joined us in the tour portion last week i mean this is the creator of heaven and earth this is this is the the entity that without being able to copy anyone else's work thought of what you would look like what i would look like what dogs would look like what cats would look like what birds would look like the cardinal the the blue jay the tulip would look like i mean this is He's the all-knowing, so how can we dare question his judgments? So anyways, this is how the angel is admonishing Ezra. He said, Let many perish who are now living rather than the Torah of Elohim, which is set before them, be disregarded. And this is a tough pill to swallow. You know, quite frankly, this keeps me up at night sometimes. I think about my family. I think about, you know, my especially my close family, some of my relatives that, that on the outward, they say they love Elohim, but they don't keep his, his ways. I mean, my immediate family, I, I, I'm, it's, it's hard. And they don't keep his ways. And this is why we have to constantly be a light to those around us. And perhaps maybe one day Elohim might give them eyes to see and take the scales away from their eyes that they may see clearly that he is to be feared and his ways are to be kept. For Elohim strictly commanded those who came into the world when they came what they should do to live and what they should observe to avoid punishment. Nevertheless, they were not obedient and spoke against him. They devised for themselves vain thoughts and proposed to themselves wicked frauds. They even declared that the Most High does not exist and they ignored his ways. They scorned his law and denied his covenants and they have been unfaithful to his statutes and have not performed his works. Therefore, Ezra, empty things are for the empty, and full things are for the full. And skipping down a little bit, uh, this is more, um, you know, more lamentation of Ezra, sixty-two through seventy-four. I replied and said, "O Earth, what have you brought forth? If the mind is made out of the dust, like the other created things, for it would have been better if the dust itself had not been born, so that the mind might not have been made from it. But now the mind grows with us, and therefore we are tormented because we perish and know it." Let the human race lament, but let the beasts of the field be glad. Let all who have been born lament, but let the four-footed beasts and the flocks rejoice. For it is much better with them than with us. For they do not look for a judgment, nor do they know of any torment or salvation promised to them after death. For what does it profit us that we shall be preserved alive but cruelly tormented? For all who have been born are involved in iniquities and are full of sins and burdened with transgressions. And if we were not to come into judgment after death, perhaps it would have been better for us. He answered me and said, When the Most High made the world in Adam and all who have come from him, he first prepared the judgment and the things that pertain to the judgment. 
And now understand from your own words, for you have said that the mind grows with us. For this reason, therefore, those who dwell on earth shall be tormented, because though they had understanding, they committed iniquity, lawlessness, toilessness. And though they received the commandments, they did not keep them. And though they obtained the Torah, they dealt unfaithfully with what they had received. What then will they have to say in the judgment? Or how will they answer in the last times? For how long the time is that the Most High has been patient with those who inhabit the world and not for their sake, but because of the times which he has foreordained. So, righteous is the judgment of Yahuwah. And this is... This has been the story ever since the beginning of time. Keep his ways and all will be well with you. You don't keep his ways and all will not be well with you. That's as simple as it gets. That's like how I would, you know, say it to like a child. You keep his ways and you'll be great. You keep you don't keep his ways, things are not going to be great for you. And that's really what comes down to the mark of the beast versus the mark of the most high. I know, I know a lot of you are still just like, well, no, Adam, no, no, no. It says you can't buy or sell. Yeah, you know, I'm here to say I don't think it's talking about the supermarket, brothers and sisters. Messiah Yahushua in chapter 3 of Revelation says, I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and thy nakedness do not appear. Uh, Proverbs twenty three twenty three I think says buy the truth and sell it not. That's all these kind of terms we're talking about now. Go right into the parable of the wise virgins. Right, go to them that buy and sell. Right. <clears throat> Any case. All right, let's keep going. Uh, verses eight through nine. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. This is a fun little study. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of Yahuwah, which has power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. And this is, again, this is the hardening of the hearts, just like Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a, a prototype, if you will, for, I believe, the end times uh, unrepentant, uh, the people that will be involved in the great, I almost did it, the great wine press of Elohim. I almost did the great. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, all right. So back to verse eight. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun and power was given unto him, scorched man with fire. So this is one of two things. This is either literally the sun becomes like a weapon. It's like, you know, pew pew and like, like, you know, fire beams, you know, coming down and like zapping people, uh, which is totally possible. I'm not, I'm not, that is definitely not a mocking tone for me. Um, but I think there may be something a little more here to this. Uh, I think if we dig a little further uh, into what this sun might be symbolizing, I, I think uh, we may have an answer here. Um, this is kind of a long rabbit trail, but it is what it is. It's kind of a fun little study. Revelation 8, uh, 12 through 13, And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And this, I'm just, this is kind of a little side piece. This is just showing that, um, you know, the, the trumpets, the bowls, uh, they have a lot of similarities. We went through this when we actually went through this, the, the seven trumpets, the seven shofars. And I beheld and heard an angel fly through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels, which are yet to sound. Revelation 19, 11 through 21, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. 
and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of Elohim. And the armies which were in heaven followed up him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And we're talking about the righteousness of the judgment of Yah. We know that the word of Elohim is as a double-edged sword. Um, right? So out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. So either he literally has like a sword like he's like riding on a horse with a sword coming out of his mouth, or it's you know talking in in similitude or, or a parabolic form that you know he's going forth with the Torah to judge the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron and treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the Almighty Elohim, and he hath a, on his on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Adonai of Adonim, and I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried with a loud voice, saying to... So, again, so this angel is either standing literally in the sun, uh, or there's, this is the start of the kind of parable I want to show you. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great Elohim, that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and the flesh of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with a sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Let's keep going. So let's talk more about this symbology uh, of the sun. Revelation 1.16, And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. So we see that Messiah, Yahusha, is likened as to the brightness of the sun. Matthew 13, 43, Then shall the, shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father who has ears to hear. Let him hear. So Messiah is likened, as, likened to the brightness of the sun. The righteous shall also shine forth as the sun. It's going to get interesting. Revelation 12, 1 through 2. And there appeared a great, with those of you that were with us for the Revelation 12, uh, the two parts uh, two parts we did. Uh, I can't remember which one. I think it was the, the first part we talked more about this. But uh, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. So what do we have here? Number one, we have what appeared in the heavens in September 23rd, 2017, I think was like a, like a wake-up call for these last days. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. But what do we actually talk about here? I believe the, the woman is New Jerusalem, period. And it says that she's clothed with the sun, and on top of her head, a crown of 12 stars. So here you've got... Uh, I believe, symbology of New Jerusalem, Messiah, and of course, the 144,000 in great multitude. The 12 stars being the 12 tribes of Israel, being those that were sealed and were seated with him on Mount Zion. And she brought forth a man-child 
who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto Elohim and to his throne. And we also know through multiple scriptures, I didn't include it in this one, but the throne of Elohim is set in New Jerusalem, and heaven comes down to earth. Revelation 2, 25-27, speaking about the man-child who is to rule all nations, a lot of people say that this is Messiah. Um, I'm here to say that this is the child, this is the 144,000. Revelation 2, 25-27, But that which ye have already hold fast till I come, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers. It's Psalm 2. Even as I received of my father, which Psalm 2 is all about New Jerusalem down, um, his throne set there, the uh, Messiah seated on uh, on Zion, and the kings of the earth assembled against her uh, to to wage war. First Peter four thirteen through fourteen, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Mashiach's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. And if you can just imagine, it says when his glory shall be revealed. Um, if you remember, some of you remember in Exodus nineteen when the glory of him was revealed on Mount Sinai, uh, even his own people were terrified. Terrified! Imagine what the people of the earth are going to be like. 1 John 3, 2-3, Beloved, now are we the sons of Elohim, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. That's that's hard concept to imagine, because um, he's Messiah, and we're just, you know, we're just, we're children of Elohim, but I mean, we're not Messiah, right? But John says that we shall be like him. Whoa. For we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope in himself uh, does not do anything, but just sits around and says, I have faith, and does no commandments. No, that's not what it says. It says, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Revelation 21, 6 through 8, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his Elohim, and he shall be my son. Right? Messiah is the son of Elohim. We shall be like him. If we're, if we're worthy, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, so commandment breakers, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Malachi 4, 1 through 4. Ah, this might give some new meaning to a verse that was always kind of, huh? For behold, so speaking about maybe a symbology of the son for being Messiah or even his righteous with him. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly shall be stubble. We read in many times in 2 Ezra chapter 13 that the people were torched with fire, and that the fire symbolized the Torah. And all that do wickedly, wickedly shall be stubble. Now, that makes a lot of sense now, doesn't it? And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith Yahweh Sevaot, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch, nah, but unto you that fear my name shall the sun... Uh, Right? So we're talking about the sun here. Not the S-O-N, but the S-U-N. So the, shall, shall the sun of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and he shall go forth and grow up as, as calves of the stall, and he shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith Yahweh Sevaot. 
Remember ye the Torah of Moses, Moshe, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments, the right rulings. Isaiah 49, 1-2, Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people, from afar. Yahuwah hath called me from the womb. from the. And I said all that. I actually, quite frankly, I prepped you with a lot of these things about being like Messiah and having the same promises uh, of Messiah. Again, he's, he's, he rules the nations with a rod of iron. But guess what? So do his people with him. That It says that we shall be like Messiah. Uh, so while Isaiah 49 I believe is a lot of prof prophecy about Messiah. Uh, I really believe that it has a lot to do with the remnant of Israel in the last days. Uh, listen, listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people, from far. Yahuwah hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name, and he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. And brothers and sisters, he is he is doing this to a remnant in these last days. Some of us that. You know, thought we knew knew what we needed to know a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, four years. He is sharpening us, brothers and sisters, that we may also have a mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hath hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver, he hath hid me. So now we're likened to an arrow. Psalm one twenty seven three through five. Lo, children are a heritage of Yahuwah, and the fruit of the womb is. His reward, Yahuwah's reward, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gates. Speaking of arrows in his 144,000 being the fighting force, turn you to the Zechariah 9, 12 through 16. Turn you to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. I'm a prisoner of hope, are you? Even today do I declare that I will render double unto you when I have bent Judah for me, filled... Yeah, prisoner of hope. Yeah, that's a good thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I just want to make sure that wasn't... Yeah, because, yeah, I declare double unto you. This isn't like double of New Jerusalem. This is um, double in Isaiah 61, beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning. When I have bent Judah for me, filled the bow with Ephraim, and raised up thy sons, O Zion, against thy sons, O Greece, and made thee as the sword of a mighty man, and Yahuwah shall be seen over them, and his arrows shall go forth as the lightning, and Yahuwah shall blow the shofar, and shall go with the whirlwinds of the south. Yahuwah Sebaot shall defend them, they shall devour and subdue with sling stones, and they shall drink and make a noise as through wine, and they shall be filled like bowls as the corners of the altar, and Yahuwah their Elohim shall save them that day as the flock of his people, for they shall be as the stones of a crown lifted up as an ensign upon his land. Remember what we saw in Revelation 12, 1 through 2, a crown of 12 stars above her head. So uh, again, what I'm alluding to is this sun that we're referencing here. So let's get back to what we're actually talking about. The fourth angel poured out his vial on the sun and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. Some of you remember this from Revelation 11, one of the promises of the two witnesses, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but uh, a couple things. So he, it says right here that, um, uh, right here, that uh, he's bent Judah for him and filled the both Ephraim. So Ephraim is like the arrow, right? The, the, the lost 10 tribes. So now let's go back to Isaiah 49. Behold, I have graven you upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. This is Yahuwah speaking directly to New Jerusalem. 
Thy children shall make haste, thy destroyers, and they that made thee waste shall go forth of you. So um, who were her destroyers and made her waste? It was the children of the Pharisees. They're going to be utterly burned and destroyed and go go forth from her. Because what I believe is going to happen, brothers and sisters, I believe that the landing place of New Jerusalem was where it was at the beginning, which I believe is the Levant. It's the Genesis 15 promise for the descendants of Abraham for all generations. It's almost the dimensions of what Revelation says, 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. It's very, very close. And if you look at all the end times prophets, especially the minor prophets that talk about so much about the day of Yahuwah, you'll you'll see city after city that's mentioned that'll be destroyed. It's all in that Levant uh, area. When I say Levant, I'm talking about like Saudi Arabia, where Saudi Arabia is, Iraq, uh, Egypt, uh, of course, the the political state of Israel, Lebanon, Syria. Um, what else? Yeah, I mean, that whole area leveled. Lift up thine eyes round about, and behold, all these gather themselves together and come to you. As I live, saith Yahuwah, thou shalt surely clothe thee with them all as with an ornament and bind them on you as a bride does. So remember I said earlier, uh, talking about the, the jewels of the crown. So uh, all that to say this, here's another take um, of what I believe this sun that has power. Revelation 11, 3 through 6. Now remember, it says the sun was given power to scorch people with fire. Revelation 11, 3 through 6, but I will give power unto my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees. That's interesting. I just, just, it just came to me now. Okay. So remember how it says that the sun will be clothed in sackcloth, right? So, and if we're likening the sun to either Yahusha and or and or Yahusha and his people, his remnant, his two witnesses as 144,000, which I think are synonymous, quite frankly. Um, listen to this. So, um, they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred score three short days clothed in sackcloth. Now that could be literal. They could literally be clothed in like sackcloth garments, and that's obviously true. But uh, thinking of this, maybe that what we're leaning towards here, um, it says in Revelation that the sun was clothed in sackcloth. It's interesting. Because sackcloth, think about this, think about this um, literally. If the sun was clothed with sackcloth, um, sackcloth is very porous. There's lots of holes in it. It's not like, like that wouldn't be a total eclipse. It wouldn't be like total darkness. It would, a lot of light would still shine through a sack. If you've ever seen a sackcloth garment, uh, it's pretty holy, uh, if you will. Um, no pun intended. But, um, well, maybe pun intended. But, um, anyways, so if you get what I'm saying here, so. This sun that gets power to scorch people with fire. Um, I'm just going to say it outright. I, I believe it's actually talking about the remnant, his people, the two witnesses here. We'll see right here. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the Elohim of the earth. And if you haven't seen the earlier, um, we're on part 23 now. I think it was part one and two. We talked a lot about the two witnesses and I. At this point, I'm led to believe that the two witnesses are the two houses of Israel, the the northern the northern tribes, the, the southern tribes. Um, you know, we also likened it to the kings and priests. Uh, those are the two offices that were uh, anointed with oil. Um, that goes back to Zechariah four. 
too long of a study to go back into it, but I, I fully believe that um, they will the the house of Israel, the remnant, will be operating with the spirit of Elijah and the spirit of either Enoch or Moshe. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe it's Moses and Elijah, uh, because these prophets do are the ones that are able to do these plagues. And uh, Enoch isn't uh, known for uh, bringing down plagues, but Moshe is, and uh, Elijah is. So. Uh, just like we saw with John the Baptist, he was the fulfillment of Elijah, right? Messiah said Elijah has come already, but they did so whatever whatsoever they listed with him, um, and uh, it said they knew that he spoke of John the Baptist. Uh, so that's our prototype, uh, if you will, for how the witnesses what the witnesses will look like. It'll be a spirit they'll be operating with. And if any man will hurt them, the, the witnesses, fire proceedeth out of their mouths and devoureth their enemies. So now we're getting to the core of this. So the fourth angel poured out his vial on the sun and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. So either you're going to have the sun like shooting down like you know, fire beams uh, with people um, or you're going to have his witnesses like literally breathing fire on people or maybe a, a, again this whole thing of the fire coming out of the mouth may be parabolic and I'll explain that in a second. Um, if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouths and devoureth their enemies. For if any man would hurt them, thus must he be killed. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophesying, Elijah. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood, Moshe. And to smite the earth with all manner of plagues and as often as they will, Moshe. Moses. So here could be the symbology, Jeremiah 5.14. This, this is the word of Yah speaking to him saying, Wherefore thus saith Yahweh Sevaot, because you speak such words, behold, I will put my words into thy mouth like a fire, and this people shall be as wood, and it shall devour them. And we know that uh, Jeremiah didn't go around literally breathing fire on people, uh, but that the Torah itself is fire. And so when he was reproving the people, uh, he was devouring them as a fire would devour wood. So um, in the last days, it could be you know, a, a, a you know, spiritual connotation, or um, it could be literal. I don't know. I don't know. So as far as also is you know fire coming down devouring devouring people Elijah did it Second uh, Kings one eight through ten and they said unto him he was an hairy man and girded with a girdle of leather about his loins just like John the Baptist then said he it is Elijah the Tishbite therefore the king sent unto him a captain over fifty with his fifty men who went up unto him for behold he sat on the top of a mountain and he said unto him O man of Elohim the king hath commanded that you come down. But Elijah answered and said to the captain over the fifty, If that I be a man of Elohim, let fire come down from heaven and devour thee and thy fifty. So fire came down from heaven and devoured him and his fifty. Gone. See ya. Could be literal. Very well could be. All right. So let's keep going. <clears throat> Revelation 16, 10 through 11, the darkness. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed Yahuwah of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. So, of course, the darkness, we go back to the beginning, to Exodus Chapter 10, verses 21 through 23. Again, Yahweh said unto Moshe, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be upon the land of Egypt darkness, even darkness that may be felt. 
That's a darkness that I don't think any of us know. Then Moshe stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a black darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. No man saw another, neither rose up from the place where he was for three days, but that all the children of Israel had light where they dwelt. Let's take a look at the Jasher account, chapter 80, verses 36 through 41. And Elohim sent darkness upon Egypt, that the whole land of Egypt and Pathros became dark for three days, so that a man could not see his hand when he lifted it to his mouth. At that time died many of the people of Israel who rebelled against Yahuwah and who would not hearken to Moshe and Aharon and believed not in them that Elohim had sent them. And who had said, We will not go forth from Egypt, lest we perish with the hunger in a desolate wilderness, and who would not hearken to the voice of Moshe. And Yahweh plagued them in the three days of darkness, and the Israelites buried them in those days without the Egyptians knowing of them or rejoicing over them. And the darkness was very great in Egypt for three days, and any person who was standing when the darkness came remained standing in his place, and he that was sitting remained sitting, and he that was lying continued lying in the same state, and he that was walking remained sitting upon the ground in the same spot, and this thing happened to all the Egyptians until the darkness had passed away. And the, darkness, uh, and the days of darkness passed away, and Yahweh sent Moshe and Aharon to the children of Israel, saying, Celebrate your feast and make your Passover, for behold, I come in the midst of the night amongst all the Egyptians, and I will smite all their firstborn from the firstborn of a man to the firstborn of a beast. When I see your Passover, I will pass over you. So, and th that kind of leads into something we've talked about. It's been a while since we talked about this, but uh, I do believe that when the time comes to be gathered to leave, I believe it's going to be another Passover. Okay, so let's keep going. Let's talk about darkness. There's, there's you know, this could be now in, in the time of when this happens, um, you know, this or maybe it's happening. It's kind of, you'll see what I'm alluding to. This could be another just blackout pitch black darkness, you know, and again, once again, if that's how, what happens, certainly that's the reason that, um, you know, they've conditioned the people to believe that the power grid is so, uh, outdated and, uh, and it's, you know, it's been left. Um, I mean, I've watched all this stuff, you know, uh, just basically prepping people for a lights out situation. Um, you know, people will automatically remember, oh, yeah, it's because the power grid is, you know, hasn't been upgraded in, you know, 20 years or 100 years. And, um, you know, if it goes down, it's going to take them years to rebuild and or, you know, EMPs, you know, supposedly there's weaponry. And I know some of you really believe this, um, um, but I'm here to say if there is a total darkness over the entire world, it's not because they uh, exploded EMPs everywhere. It's because Yahweh turned everything off. Um so, but again, that's why these narratives come out uh, to to give people, you know, anything that anything that keeps them from searching the scriptures as to what's going on here. I wonder why we've had power every day, you know, for a hundred years or how how long was it? Two hundred years, one hundred fifty years. I'm terrible with my um, my uh, secular history, but um, now why don't we have power? You know, why haven't we had power for a month, two months, three months? Why have we gone back to the 1800s? You know, the technology in the 1800s, like that. Um, let's say, oh, you know, it's the, it the MP, uh, or oh, you know, it's because the power grid was, you know, was so uh, so old and faulty. No, no, no. If that happens, it's because Yahweh shuts it off. 
Um, but let's talk about this darkness, maybe from a parabolic understanding. Uh, and so once again, we read Deuteronomy 28:15. But if it shall come to pass, if you will not hearken unto the voice of Yahweh thy Elohim to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you to say, that all the curses shall come upon you and overtake you. In verse 29, and you shall grope at noonday as the blind gropeth in darkness. And that's exactly what people were doing in Egypt. They were literally like, like as a blind person, you know, I'm not making fun. I'm just saying like, like a blind person, you know, they can't see anything. That's what that darkness was like in Egypt. And that's what this is saying is if you stray away from his commandments, it'll be as if you were a blind man groping in the darkness and you shall not prosper in your ways and you shall only be oppressed and spoiled evermore and no man shall save you. Isaiah 59, 1 through 10, Behold, Yahweh's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you, separated between you and your Elohim, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity, lawlessness, and your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth they trust in vanity and speaketh lies they conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity they hatch cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web he that eateth other eggs dieth and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper it's like a like a generational thing it's like a um step-by-step -step thing their webs shall not become garments neither shall they cover themselves with their works their works are works of iniquity lawlessness and the act of violence is in their hands their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity wasting and destruction are in their paths and quite frankly uh this is this is the greater part of the earth right now the way of peace another uh, synonym for the torah the way of the, the the Torah, the way of peace, they know not. There is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths, because we know that the Torah is the straight and narrow path. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Shalom. Therefore is judgment far from us, neither doth justice, over, judge, justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. This is talking about a people that do not hearken to his Torah. So again, what I'm talking about here, what I'm getting at is the the kingdom of the beast to which all the people of the world worship. Again, those that uh, do not bear the mark of the Most High, but bear the mark of the beast, uh, they will be part of the beast's kingdom. And it says that um, the seed of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness. Again, this could be a total lights out situation, but I'm going over another possibility here, which is that uh, they're just filled with um, Torahlessness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. Isaiah 8.16, bind up the testimony, seal the law, the Torah among my disciples. Maybe this has something to do with 144,000 and the sealing in their foreheads. Isaiah 8.20-22, to the Torah and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light. In them, the Hebrew the Hebrew word Torah, part of the root word of it is or. Or is light. The Torah is light, and they shall pass through it, hardly bested and hungry. And it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their Elohim and look upward, and they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness 
dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. This is, I believe, really, truly what, what the heart of Revelation is getting at when the seed of the beast and his kingdom shall be full of darkness. Proverbs 6.23 plainly says it. For the This is, this is um, the parable of the wise virgins, uh, wise and foolish virgins language here. For the commandment is a lamp, and the Torah is light. They had no oil for the light to burn. Right, so it says right here plainly that the Torah is light. Matthew six twenty two through twenty three. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. And for an eye to be single, uh, it's a, it's like a Hebrew idiom or or um, just an old saying that uh, if your eye is single, you're like you're walking the straight path. You're not walking in crooked ways. You're not going this way or that way. You're not going to the left hand or the right hand, but Straight ahead. If thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light, Torah. But if thy eye be evil, which is the opposite, because we know that the Torah is what lets us know if we are actually doing good or doing evil. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness, right? So it's talking about kingdom full of darkness, Matthew 5, 14 through 18, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and giveth light unto all that are in the house. Now here, now he's explaining why we're the light. Let your light so shine before men that they what may see your good works. And what? how do we even know what good works are? By the Torah. And, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, uh, you're supposed to let your your Torah keeping be shown publicly except for one thing. He did specifically say your almsgiving. When you give to somebody, make it private, especially those of you that are on social media and you got the GoFundMes and you got the, um, the Facebook fundraisers and stuff. Choose the option to go anonymous. Do your alms in secret. Don't let people know what you're doing with that. But it says your other stuff. Let people know. You know, you're, you show people around you that you're keeping the Shabbat, that you're you're keeping the feast, the commandments, the the joy that's within you for doing these things. Um, there's, we can talk about that for a long time. But so he's saying, let your light shine for men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. As soon as he says, talk is done talking about this light and you're the light and light shining in you. What does he say? Think not that I am come to destroy the Torah or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the Torah till all be fulfilled. So there he's tying that in. And here's a hidden parable. Those of you, you've probably seen this video, but there's a hidden parable in John 3, 16 through 21. Considering that the Torah is like, just keep in your mind that Torah is like, for Elohim so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For Elohim sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Keeps going. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of Elohim. Keeps going. And this is the condemnation, that what? That light is come into the world. Yes, Messiah taught Torah, but he taught it in code, in parable form. You had to know, you have to know that the Torah is light to understand what he's saying here. And this is the condemnation that Torah, that light, is coming to the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, rather than the Torah. They loved darkness, which, again, the kingdom, 
of the beast was full of darkness. It was full of iniquity, full of lawlessness, full of perversion, full of uh, promiscuous deeds, wickedness, lasciviousness, homosexuality, um, you know, uh, cross-dressing. Uh, I'm gonna get all the. I'm gonna get all the the, the bad flags on this. Uh, anyways, you know what I'm talking about. Just full of darkness. Everything that Yahweh stands up for, the devil flips it upside down and turns it around. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the Torah. Neither cometh the Torah, lest his deeds should be reproved. Isn't that what happens when you come and you search out the Torah? You're like, oh, wow. Oops. I need to repent. I need to get on my face and repent. And I need to start doing what this book actually says. But he that doeth the truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought and Elohim. And this is what Yahushua was talking about here, that they may see your good works and glorify your, your let your light shine, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And again, he that doeth the truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought and Elohim, that they're in Elohim's ways. And it talks about here also the truth, he that doeth the truth. What does it say here? Psalm 119, 142, thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and thy law is the truth. Psalm 119, 105, your word is now we're going into uh, the opposite of darkness. We're, we're getting into the light, which we should abide in. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And if we have the light guiding our way, remember all those passages we just read about groping at noonday as if a blind man were to grope uh, in the darkness. Well, when you're walking in the Torah and his commandments, it's the opposite. You have what? The word being a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. Psalm 19, 7 through 8, we read, read this earlier. The Torah of Yahuwah is, what a, is it's a burden. It's horrible. It's a heavy yoke. No, it says the Torah of Yahuwah is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of Yahuwah is sure, making wise the simple. In some, uh, in some it says making wise the fool. And certainly with my history and my past uh, actions, I was a fool. How about you? The statutes of Yahuwah are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of Yahuwah is pure, enlightening the eyes, or a.k.a. giving light to the eyes. And this has a lot to do with what Yahushua talking about was the light of the body is the eye. And if I, I be single, thy body shall be filled with light and truth. Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Psalm 43.3, O send out thy light and thy truth, both words that are used interchangeably with Torah. As we saw Messiah teaching, he taught that the Torah was light. We also saw Psalm 119.142 that the Torah is the truth. And uh, a lot of the New Testament writers, when they talk about the truth, walking in the truth, I mean, the, the epistles from John where it says, you know, I'm happy to see that you're walking in the truth. What is he talking about? Right? He's talking about they're walking the Torah. So, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me, right? What does that say? What did we just say earlier? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. Well, you need that light to go in front of you to be able to see what's in front of you, right? Send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. This is everything we've been talking about for months now. Uh, quite frankly, what's on my mind a lot is what's ahead of us. And... Uh, we have so much to to think of and to be hopeful for 
with being led into what his holy hill, which is New Jerusalem, uh, which is his tabernacle. We talked about this during Sukkot that, you know, we're dwelling, the, the dwelling in the temporary shelters is like a symbolism of the frailty. But when he comes back, we'll be dwelling in his forever tent, which will be awesome because his, his uh, the New Jerusalem is mentioned as a tabernacle. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's mentioned as a tabernacle. So, so again, so what do they say? So send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill, into thy tabernacles. Isaiah confirms this. Second witness that the Torah is what brings us into New Jerusalem. In that day shall be sung this song in the land of Yehudah. We have a strong city. Salvation will Elohim appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates of New Jerusalem, that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth, the Torah, may enter in. So praise the Most High for his righteous rulings um let's keep going here oh no this this is gonna be a long one okay enoch 62 and thus yahuwah commanded the kings and the mighty and the exalted and those who dwell on the earth and said open your eyes and lift up your horns so we're talking again about the kingdom full of darkness and nod their tongues for pain so they've got a lot of agony with this darkness Open your eyes and lift up your horns if you're able to recognize the elect one. And Yahweh Sevaot seated him on the throne of his glory. Such a messianic prophecy here. So you've got the father seated him, the, the his son, on the throne. And the spirit of righteousness was poured out upon him. And the word of his mouth slays all the sinners. We were talking about this earlier. And all the unrighteous are destroyed before his face. And there shall stand up in that day all the kings and the mighty and the exalted and those who who hold the earth. And they shall see and recognize how he sits on the throne of his glory. And righteousness is judged before him. So the theme of tonight is righteous is the judgment of Elohim. And no lying word is spoken before him. Then shall pain come upon them as on a woman in travail. And she has pain in bringing forth when her child enters the mouth of the womb. And she has pain in bringing forth. And one portion of them shall look on the other and they shall be terrified and they shall be downcast of countenance and pain shall seize them when they see that son of man sitting on the throne of his glory and the kings and the mighty and all those who possess the earth shall bless and glorify and extol him who rules all over who was hidden for from the beginning the son of man was hidden and the most high preserved him in the presence of his might and revealed him to the elect and the congregation of the elect and holy shall be sown and all the elect shall stand before him on that day and all the kings and the mighty and the exalted and those who rule the earth shall fall down before him on their faces and worship and set their hope upon that son of man and petition him and supplicate for mercy at his hands. Nevertheless, that Yahweh Sevaot will so press them that they shall, shall hastily go forth from his presence and their faces shall be filled with shame and darkness grow deeper on their faces. So again, this is what we're connecting here, the their kingdom of the beast full of darkness. And he will deliver them to the angels for punishment to execute vengeance on them because they have oppressed his children and his elect. That's exactly what we're reading right here. So we see the darkness and punishment. So what do we see here? Uh, angel put his vial on the seat of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness and they gnaw their tongues for pain. Did they gnaw their, their tongues for pain because they were happy and had joy or because they had the plagues and the torment coming at them? So it's exactly what they have to execute vengeance on them because they've oppressed his children and his elect and they shall be a spectacle for the righteous and for his elect and they shall rejoice over them because the wrath of Yahweh Sevaot resteth upon them and his sword is drunk with their blood and the righteous and elect shall be saved on that day and they shall never thenceforward see the face of the sinners and unrighteous. 
And Yahuwah Sebaot will abide over them, and with that Son of Man shall they eat and lie down and rise up forever and ever. And the righteous and elect shall have risen from the earth and ceased to be of downcast countenance, and they shall have been clothed with garments of glory, and these shall be the garments of life from Yahuwah Sebaot, and your garments shall not grow old, and your glory pass away before Yahuwah Sebaot. I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but if there's anything I'm shooting for in this world, I want to be part of this army. I want to go to New Jerusalem. I want to have these garments. And you know how we do that? By having faith, being faithful, right? Because uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll learn here in a little bit uh, that uh, the just shall shall live by his faithfulness, uh, as, Hab- as Habakkuk 2.2 is properly uh, quoted. Uh, chapter 63. In those days shall the mighty and the kings and who possess the earth implore him to grant them a little respite from his angels of punishment to whom they were delivered, that they might fall down and worship before Yahweh Sevaot and confess their sins before him. And they shall bless and glorify Yahweh Sevaot and say, Blessed is Yahweh Sevaot and the Yahweh of kings and the Yahweh of the mighty and the Yahweh of the rich and the Yahweh of the glory and the Yahweh of wisdom and splendid in every secret thing and thy power from generation to generation and thy glory forever and ever. You know what? I'm going to skip this. Um, here, I'm going to skip down a little bit. And now we f- we long for a little rest but find it not. We follow hard upon and obtain it not. And light has vanished from before us and darkness is our dwelling place forever and ever. So again, we're talking about the seed of the beast and his kingdom full of darkness, and they nod their tongues for pain. Darkness is our dwelling place forever and ever, for we have not believed before him, nor glorified the name of Yahweh, nor glorified our Adonai. But our hope was in the scepter of our kingdom and in our glory. Again, pour out his vial upon the seed of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And this is the whole chapter is literally... Uh, almost um, point by point. And in the day of our suffering and tribulation, he saves us not, and we find no respite for confession that Yahweh is true in all his works and his judgments and his justice, and his judgments have no respect of persons. And we pass away from before his face on account of our works, and all our sins are reckoned up in righteousness. Um, yeah. And after that, their faces shall be filled with darkness and shame before that Son of Man, and they shall be driven from his presence, and the sword shall abide before his face in their midst. Thus spake Yahweh Savaot, this is the ordinance and judgment with respect to the mighty and the kings and the exalted and those who possess the earth before Yahweh Savaot. So stop. Don't even worry about the, the, the people that run this world anymore, the, the so-called elite families or uh, the politicians or the Illuminati or whoever run this world. So what? Listen, they got something coming their way that you can't even imagine. They'll get theirs. Praise be to Yahweh. Righteous is the judgment of Elohim. And, uh, you know, just speaking, uh, thinking of darkness, you know, we, we just remember the uh, the parable of the seed, right? Uh, Messiah likened the, you know, the word, uh, the, to likened to his seed, likened to, um, you know, a little seed that goes in the ground and it springs up and some get choked up by the cares of the world. Some uh, Satan comes and swoops off right away. Uh, some uh, have a little bit of, um, you know, persecution and they fall away immediately because of it, but some take root 
and grow up. And what do we? What, and we all know that even if we may not be gar- all gardeners, we know the basics. What the seed needs, what soil, ground to go into, and we are the ground, right? At least you know the the seed is sown within us, and uh, what it first grows in the darkness, and then when it comes into the light, and it needs water, and it needs light. And we know that the Torah is likened unto the light. And we know what Torah is also likened unto. Uh, Deuteronomy 32 says, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. So, need light, need water, and you need good ground. So, are you good ground? And are you going to abide in the light? And are you going to receive his rain? Psalm 1-3, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the Torah of Yahuwah, and in his Torah doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Why? Because the person that delights in the Torah and meditates in it day and night is going to know mercy, is going to know right rulings, is going to know how to love Elohim, how to love other people. And that's the fruit. That's the fruit that he's always looked looked for, uh, looked for from us. All right. Um, man.